Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1 this morning. Y'all still awake? All right, you glad to be here? All right, well y'all, we were singing that song a minute ago and it said, I see glory on each face. All right, and uh, I wasn't looking at y'all, but there's some of y'all didn't get that memo. All right, so y'all let let the Lord get a hold of you this morning maybe. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1 is where we're going to read from. And uh, we're glad to have all of our guests with us today. And uh, notice there's some from out of states and different places, and we're glad that you're here and wish safe travels for all as you leave this place. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 1 is where I'll read from in a minute. You know, there are many things that we do at Christmas time to accompany our Christmas celebration. If in, uh, I'm sure that you're familiar with this. You've experienced it in your life, in your family, and in your gatherings, that if we aren't careful... Uh, we can lose sight of what we're really celebrating. And if we're not careful, we can miss Christ altogether in Christmas. If we don't, if we don't guard ourselves and what we're doing uh, and miss what it is all about. And one thing that I do to try to help myself is I try to read different portions of scriptures uh, throughout this season that help my mind stay on the birth of Christ. They help me to recall that and think about that and be mindful of what I'm celebrating. And this week, God kept bringing this passage of Scripture to my mind and He used it to refresh my heart uh, and really give me a greater appreciation of what Christmas really is all about and a greater appreciation for uh, the birth of Christ and what God did in all of that. I believe that it is one of the most monumental events in all of eternity, not just our history, but all of eternity, because what it is and what really happened uh, on that day, and it should be something that you and I have the greatest amount of appreciation and respect for because of what it means to us. And here in our text this morning, the writer of Hebrews, he is explaining to Jews that have trusted in Jesus Christ but they are struggling with the persecution that goes on. There's a part of them that wants to return to Judaism. There's a part of them that wants to go back to the old way, the things that they were familiar with under the law because of the persecution that is coming. And the writer of Hebrews has written to them and has reminded them that Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the Levitical priesthood. I mean, He's greater than all things that they knew in their past. And to really drive home that point, He brings up the body that was prepared for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1, the Bible reads, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered, year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish 
the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. I'm interested this morning in the phrase that we read, but thou hast prepared a body for me. But thou hast prepared a body for me. Paul is encouraging them to, to not go back. Paul is encouraging them to stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to not depart from the faith that they have placed in Him no matter what is going on. And so what does Paul do? Paul reminds them of Jesus and His superiority over everything else. And to drive home that point, he brings up this truth in this teaching, in this event, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was given a body that was prepared for Him so that He could accomplish the redemptive work that mankind stood in need of. And it should be that that keeps us faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we consider that statement that is made there. What the writer does is the writer brings up a quote from the Lord Himself when He said, you, you don't desire the offerings and the sacrifices, but in contrast to those things, here is what you do desire, here is what you have prepared, and that is a body that was prepared for Him. And this morning, for just a few moments, I'd like to share with you three truths concerning this body. I'd like for you to consider this morning the person of this body. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on the, on the physical and on the outward appearance of somebody. It is how we identify somebody is by the way that they look. I'm sure that if somebody came into this building and they said we're looking for the preacher and they didn't know who I was, most of you would all say that he's the sharp, handsome looking, strong guy with a head full of thick hair. That's how you would describe me. That's what you would say because we use the things that we see on the physical body to identify a person so that we know who we are talking about. But know this, that the identification that you, you look at their physical appearance and you see their body and you identify them by what they look like while you can identify a person by their body and their appearance and their stature and their their, their characteristics, you cannot define the person by the body that you see. And I think on a side note, I would say that if there's something or a person that you're looking into, a relationship that you're looking into, just know this, that the physical things that you see should not be that which defines that person in your mind. And there are probably many heartbreaks that could have been avoided if we would have based our opinion and our thoughts on that person not on what we saw on the outside, but on the characteristics that truly define who that person is. That's the very reason that many people rejected the Lord Jesus Christ is because they looked at Him and they saw the physical appearance. And they said there's no way He's a king. That he's, not, he's not attractive. He's not strong. He's not big. He's poor. And they noticed all of these physical things and they said there's no way that this 
is the Messiah. And many of the Jews rejected Him because all they saw was the body and they failed to see the person that He was. And I would encourage you this morning as you consider the body that was prepared for the Lord Jesus that you do not fail to see the person that He was. And that while that was a body that was prepared as an infant and given to Him, that He was much more than just that physical appearance of that body. He was much more than just the touch of the flesh that wrapped around Him. But when you look at Him, we see the Son of God. We see the Creator of all things. We see the second person in the Trinity taking on the form of a body. Isaiah described it this way when he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You see, a body is just a vessel. That's all it is. You and I, we have this vessel today. We live in this vessel. One day this vessel that I have and the vessel that you have, it's going to give up the ability to house life. But when you give it to the ground, just know that you didn't give me to the ground. I'm going to live forever, alright? And you're going to live forever. When you leave this earthly vessel of a body, you'll live forever either in hell or in heaven, one of the two places. It's just a vessel. It's what it is. It was given to us. It was created, made of dust and of clay and God created it and gave it to us but it is simply a vessel now the vessel that Jesus Christ occupied it met certain requirements in that it was born of a virgin in that it had no sin it had no nature to sin and it was perfect in every way but know this it was a vessel is what it was it was a body and when you saw Jesus, you looked at another man like you saw me. It just was another person is what they looked like. But on the inside, the one that occupied that body, that's who we need to draw our attention to. That's who we need to focus on. And while we celebrate the idea that a child was born, let us not fail to realize that a son was given. You see, Christmas is not just about a child that was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, but it is about the Son of God that was given to man so that He could take the sins of the world and pay the penalty that we owed. He took on the form of man, but know this, He Himself has always existed. Christmas has never, and it will never mark the beginning of the Son of God. It simply marks the time that God left the glories of heaven and took on the form and a fashion of the body that was prepared for Him. He's always existed. Jesus said of Himself in John 17, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory, and look at this, which I had with Thee, before the world was. The Apostle John wrote in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And he says this, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. The Apostle John recorded the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation when he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come the Almighty. I think there are many times we, we misunderstand or we, we look at Christmas in the wrong way and we look at it as that was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And many people mark on their calendar 2,000 years ago that that is when God's Son was born. And yes, it was the time that the child was born. But please never think that the Son of God marks His existence coming in 2,000 years ago. He's always existed. And He always will exist. And here's what Christmas is all about. It can be summed up in this one name that was given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what it's all about is that God was willing to take on that which you and I have so that He could come and be with us. Just think about the opposites of the natures there. God that is thrice holy He's, he's, he's righteous and He's sovereign and He's above everything and He remains and He sits in heaven and He was willing to take and occupy a vessel of clay. I mean, something that he bent, he reached down and he formed and he breathed into it the, the breath of life. And God was willing to take on that form in that fashion. That's what Christmas reminds us. It reminds us of God with us. That the first time Jesus came with a body that was prepared in the virgin's womb so that God could be with us. But I'm glad that the second time when He comes, He's going to come in a body that was glorified out of the grave. Not so God can be with us, but so we can be with God one day. But He had to do it this way. And He had to leave heaven and He had to come and take on this form and fashion of man. And when you look and you see maybe your house is full of nativity scenes and you consider the birth of Christ, while you celebrate the birth of a child, Let's not forget to celebrate the giving of a son that came to us and that God was willing to give His only begotten Son to take on that body so that He could take on our sins as well. Notice in this text that we read not only the person that it was, but notice the purpose of His body. He talks there in Hebrews chapter number 10 about what He was going to do. He says in verse number 9, Then He said, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified, and look at this, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. When Paul starts this in chapter 9 and he is talking about the feast and he is talking about the offerings and he, he's talking about the sacrifices and, and he wants them to understand that all of those things, they had their place, but it was all continual. I, I mean, you could offer a lamb, but you know what you had to do again? You had to offer another lamb. And he brings up the Day of Atonement on that day that was set aside every year when the high priest would take that blood and he would enter into that room that one time of that year and he would sprinkle that blood on that perfect mercy seat to atone, to cover for the sins of man. But you know how long it lasted? until the next year. And then it had to be done again. And it had to be done again. And with those sacrifices, there was a remembrance of our sin. You know what they remembered every time that that high priest sacrificed that animal and took that blood? They remembered, I'm a sinner and I'm condemned and there's nothing that I can do for myself. And here the, the writer of Hebrews brings up the conversation and the statement from the Lord. And the Lord said in sacrifices and in offerings, you don't desire those. Listen, God did not find the pleasure that He needed in the offerings and sacrifices throughout all of the Old Testament. Those were done as a picture. Those were done as something that was to come in the future. And Jesus said, you don't have desire in those, but you have prepared me a body. Because there was only one way for God to receive the pleasure that He wanted to give. And there was only one way for the work to be completed. And Jesus had to take on a body 
so he could do what only man could do for us. You see, all those other offerings, you know, they would take the lamb and they would take the goats and they would take the bulls and all of those things. But does it really seem like it's a reasonable uh, idea that for all of eternity anyways, that a ram could take my place as a substitute? You know, it'd roll over. But you know, the only thing that could truly substitute for man was another man. The only, the only person, the only thing, the only way that it would be totally just and that it would work out and that God could, there would actually be a perfect substitute would be that man take the place of man. And the only way for that to happen was for a body to be prepared so that the Son of God could leave glory and occupy that body and take on the sins. It says there that He was offered for our sins. He made that. I want to share something with you. I read this and it was a, by the, a doctor by the name of C. Truman Davis. And he tried his best to describe the horror of the cross. This is what Jesus came for. We see Him in the manger. We, we see the nativity scene. We see all of those things. But know this, that body was prepared for a, with a purpose. And that purpose was to be the offering for sin for all of mankind. And this doctor tried to explain that. He said the cross is placed on the ground. And the exhausted man is quickly thrown backwards with his shoulders against the wood. And the soldier would feel for the depression at the front of his wrist. And then he would drive a heavy square iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood and quickly he would move to the other side and do the same thing being careful not to pull the arms too tight but to allow for flex and movement and then the cross would be lifted into its place and the left foot would be pressed backward against the right foot and with both feet extended and the toes pointed down a nail would be driven through the arches of both of his feet even into the wood leaving the knees flexed the victim is now crucified and as he slowly sags down with more weight on the nails of his wrist, excruciating fiery pain would shoot along his fingers and up to his arms only to explode in the brain as the nails in his hands would put pressure on the median nerves. As he would push himself upward to avoid this stretching torment, he would place the full weight of his body on the one nail that went through both of his feet into the cross with searing agony pain tearing through the nerves between the bone of his feet. As the arms fatigued and the cramps swept through his muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain, these cramps would come the inability to push himself upward to breathe. And air could be drawn into his lungs, but it could not be exhaled. And he would fight to raise himself up to get just one small breath. And finally, the carbon dioxide would build up in his lungs and his bloodstream and the cramps would partially subside. And spasmodically, he would be able to push himself upward to be able to breathe in and get a little air out. But after hours of limitless pain, cycles of twisting, and joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his back as he would move up and down against the rough timber, that the, another agony would begin. And, and here's where it finished. A deep crushing pain would set in his chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress against the heart. And the loss of tissue fluid had reached a critical level and the compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into his tissues. And his tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to grasp in small gulps of air. And the chill of death at this time would creep through his tissues and he could finally notice this, let himself die. After all of that that he went through, can I say that Jesus Christ was born with the greatest purpose of, that there has ever been. 
And that was to take on the sins that you and I have committed in our body to place them upon that body so that He could make an atonement for them. All those bulls, all those goats, all those lambs, they could never do what Jesus did. And let me say this, Jesus did it in one offering. They do it every year. All the time they'd have to keep doing this over and over and over again. But Jesus came and Jesus offered Himself once and for all. It's good and it never has to be done again. And as we consider the body that was prepared for the Lord to take on, it was prepared for this reason so that our sins could be paid for and the penalty could be paid and the wrath of God could be satisfied. Could you imagine if a man walked in the largest bank in the United States of America. The largest bank that there was. And he walked in and he asked and he said, I want to speak to the president of this bank. I mean the top president of this bank. The president shows up and says, Sir, how can I help you? And the man pulls out a check. And he said, I want to pay. I want to satisfy every debt that is owed to this bank. I want to satisfy every single debt that is possibly owed to this bank. And he said, well, how in the world are you going to do that? And he said, I'll just write a check. And he wrote a check and he satisfied every debt that any person had. Can I say that the Lord Jesus walked into the throne room of heaven and satisfied the debt of every sinner that has ever lived, that ever will live. And he did it with one payment. And it was the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. And he offered it one time. He didn't do it multiple times. He doesn't have to go back. When he did it, it was good then and it will be good forever and it will never expire in any way at all and when God looks down God no longer sees you and I but he sees the precious blood of Calvary when you go back 2,000 years ago and Jesus was nailed to that cross and when God looked down can say that God did not see his son God saw my sin on that cross. But now when God looks down, God doesn't see my sin, but He sees His Son. And it was all because He made that payment for me. A body was prepared for Him so that He could accomplish this work. All of it. Every bit of what we're celebrating this time of the year, every bit of what we talk about and what we recognize and what we sing about and all of this, it was done for this purpose. So that Jesus could take the sins of the world on this body and take them to Calvary's cross in our place. Be our substitutionary sacrifice to satisfy the debt that we owe that we could never satisfy ourselves. You say, well, boy, when I consider all that God has done for us, it just should, it should create in our hearts a desire to serve Him, shouldn't it? When I consider all that Jesus did, He left the glories of heaven, He came here and went through all of that. It reminds me of what Paul said when he said, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Just think this morning about all that Jesus did for you. Let me ask you this. What are you doing for Him? Just think about how much Jesus loves you. How much do you love Him? What, what, what are we doing to actively advance the kingdom of the Lord and, and to actively advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? We've been studying in Sunday school how important the church is. Can I say that the Lord bought the church with that same blood that He shed on Calvary's cross? How important is it? What does it mean to us? What, where does it rank in our life on the list of priorities to serve the Lord? We all love Christmas, but do we really love the Christ of Christmas? Do we really love what it's all about? We love the story, but do we love the Savior, do we love what He accomplished and what He did for us? And in our heart, is there a debt and a desire to do something for the Lord Jesus after He did all of that for us? If there isn't, if we go through all of this and we know all of this, yet we still sit there unmoved, unchanged, 
and unconcerned, I would submit to you this morning that we have either forgotten or we never really knew what Christmas was all about. If, we have, if, there, if, there, if there is no desire, if there is no burden, and there is no concern, how could a person see all that Jesus has done for them? To be a partaker of all that Jesus has offered. To be a child of the King through the Lord Jesus Christ and not want to do something for Him in their life. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, preacher, you just don't know my life. I could never do anything for the Lord. And you've disqualified yourself and you've said, I'm just not able. And you say, I just, I don't have it in me and all of these. And here's the last thing I want you to say and I'll close. I want you to consider the preparation for this body. This body was perfect. And this body was sinless. And we know that because it was born of a virgin. And, Mary, and we know that it had no sin nature. And we know all of those things. But I, I would encourage you for time's sake, we won't be able to, but I would encourage you, go back and read Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. And you'll read the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know how this body was prepared? Through lineages of people all the way up to this point. All the way up to this point to get to where Jesus would be here. Where there would be 14 generations from here, 14 generations from here, and 14 generations from here. Where he'd go back to Abraham so he could fulfill that covenant. Where he'd go back to David so he could fulfill that covenant. And God did all of that. God worked all of that out. And do you know how the Lord used, uh, how the Lord got it to this place? He used people. It is who He used to carry on and continue that lineage of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to think about. When you go back and read through that, you're going to read of people that you never thought would be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You say, Lord, you say, preach, I'm not able to be used of God. Look at my life. I'm not qualified. You'll find people that were not qualified. You'll find people that the world said were misfits. You'll find people that said, there's no way God will ever do anything for them. I wonder if tomorrow, when Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute and had intimate relationship with her father-in-law, if she thought she'd be part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. I, I wonder, as you go through there, as Rahab opened up her home that was used as a prostitution ring to those spies, if she realized that she was going to be part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Ruth traveled back from Moab with her mother-in-law, and she laid at the feet of Boaz that night, and she was just looking for grace in that hour, I wonder if Ruth knew that she was going to be part of the lineage of Jesus Christ as Bathsheba mourned the loss of her husband and her baby and went through this entire transition of life if she ever even thought that she would be used in the lineage of Jesus Christ and as Mary that was engaged to this carpenter and did her best to keep her life pure if she ever thought that she would be used to be the one that brought this child into the world they never dreamed of that yet God used them in a mighty way to prepare the body so that the Lord Jesus Christ could occupy and go to Calvary. I want you to know that God wants to use you and I to carry on the work of Jesus to the next generation as well. Just as He used all of them in their situations, in their bad circumstances, even with their bad choices, He still used them because His sovereignty is greater than our sin. His sovereignty is greater than our bad decisions. His sovereignty is greater than our storm. And He can still take all of that and use it for His glory. Listen, He wants to do a work in your life just like He did in their life. They didn't even know it. Here's saying, I'll close with this. God's doing something in your life today and you don't even know how it's going to affect the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have a clue. They, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't realize they would be part of this. Did God? God knew every bit of it. And God knows what He's doing in your life today as well. You may not be able to see it right now, 
But there's a verse that confirms this. We know that all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. God's working it out, friend. I encourage you to trust Him in the middle because what He's doing in your life, He is doing it for His honor and for His glory so that others might see later on, maybe you may be, you may be gone. You may never see the fruit of it, but somebody is going to recognize Jesus Christ because what God has done in your life. Will you let Him do that kind of work? Let's not forget what it's all about this time of the year. And let's celebrate the real meaning, the true meaning. Not only the child, but the Son that was given and what God wants to do in our life for His honor and for His glory. I want to ask you to stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your blessings. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is always good, and I know that it never returns void. I pray, Lord, that You would touch our heart with it today, that in some way You would deal with us, that we may leave this place different than how we showed up. Father, maybe with a greater desire to serve You, maybe with a greater appreciation, Lord, of the, the birth of, of Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe somebody's lost here today. I pray that they wouldn't leave this place hell-bound, but they'd be saved. And they'd call on Jesus before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we ask for you to move. We give you, we ask for you to have free roam in this place. And Lord, that you would do only what you can in our hearts today. We love you. We thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing.